You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. You're Mary, uh, the Pew Research Company, I guess, uh, Pew Surveys, began in 1937 asking people whether or not they would describe themselves as being affiliated with a church or a synagogue, a religious organization. And then, and then for a long time uh, in American history, about 70%, a little more than that, said, yes, they, they do. And then and in the last couple of decades, that began to fall off. And now in the most recent survey, for the first time ever, less than 50%, 47% say, yes, they identify themselves as belonging to Catholic, Judaism, whatever uh, organization you want to say. And the trend line is pretty clear. This is going down. And within the next 10 years, we could expect it to be very, very, very low. This is a change, don't you think? A big change in American society? Yeah, I mean, I think we've commented on this before a little bit. It's like Europe, right? You have all those beautiful churches and nobody goes to them because they're just a very secular societies. And it's interesting to watch the United States become secular as well. Why do you think that's true? You know, there are lots of theories uh, floating around. I, however, have a theory. As it happens, it's the right theory. But I will (laughs) propose it to you now. I mean, a lot of people over the years, and, and frankly, Catholicism has been part of this, have said, well, you know, the worship isn't uh, meaningful. It, it doesn't relate well to people. And so that's why for a while in Catholicism, we began what we call the guitar masses. Remember, we'd have a whole group uh, up there of like 13-year-olds who had had five or six guitar les- lessons <laughs> at least. Uh, and through their braces, they say, here we are. All together, as we sing our song, the most self-referential song ever. Yes, I know we're all here, and I know we're all singing. I I agree with that. You know, that's been an idea. Some people have said, well, we don't have enough programming. This is in a wide variety of churches for young adults, lots of things. I have a different idea. Do you know, one of the essential questions for all of us is how do we know what is right and what's wrong, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And one of the theories or approaches to that is what's called divine command theory. And simply put, it is there is a God uh, that God does care about what is right and wrong, and God has revealed that, what is right and wrong. And I that's the classic theory. I'd add one more thing to it, and that there is an organization who can reliably interpret for you what God has said. So, you know, the church, whether Protestant church, Judaism, Catholicism, we can turn to them and they can say, this is what God asks of of you. And that's been 
much of human history. It certainly has declined since the Enlightenment, but I'm going to suggest to you that there's been another great decline. When the group that you rely on to interpret what is right and wrong supports a man like Donald Trump and calls him the new Messiah sent by God, when the group that you rely on says that uh, your uncle, who is gay, is disordered and should be kept out of uh, substantial amounts of, of human life, when the group that you rely on says everybody should have rights of employment unless they work for us, then that doesn't happen. Then I think a lot of Americans have said, you know what, that group that we're relying on to tell us what is right and wrong, I don't think they're that reliable. So are you saying that, in, in essence, they've given up their moral authority by not being moral actors? Because I would say, as a Catholic, when you see a lot of people starting to pull away from the church, it's directly related to the sex abuse scandal. Because how can I go every week and listen, even if I don't believe my priest is a molester, go and listen to we're right and we got the the skinny on, you know, this thing with God. And yet we, as a system, have protected all these priests who have abused children. I think that was a big split for a lot of people. And even if people said, okay, I'm not going to blame the church. It's not God's fault. Over time, this is just my personal experience with Catholicism, that plus the the gay issue, plus then the support of Donald Trump, a deeply immoral man, it just makes you feel like whether I believe in God or not is beside the point. This is not a legitimate institution for me to support. Well, I think you've explained it exactly right. And it goes to a real question, and I mean, we're kind of talking Catholicism because that's where the world we come from, but this is happening in, in denominations in different ways right across the spectrum. If fundamental to my belief is that the church cannot be in error, the bishops, not the church, the people, the bishops, the teaching authority, because God will guide them, then I look and say, so was God, God like not working that day when the bishops covered <laughs> up? I mean, it's possible. Everybody needs a, a day off of some point. Was it spring break? Or did God guide them wrong? And, of course, the answer is, you know, we've both heard it in religion classes. Well, there's two things. There's the divine and spiritual part of the church, and that cannot be an error. And there is the human, the temporal part of the church, and that consists of human beings, and they can be in error. Okay, but it's that part, the human temporal part, that just a few weeks ago said, no, there can be no blessing on uh, uh, marriages, uh, uh, unions of same-sex couples, and said, I'm quoting here, God does not bless sin. I got to tell you, in most of our view, God did not say that. Those same guys who screwed up the cover-up of the sex abuse crisis, they're the ones who said it. And so I think for a lot of people are saying, yeah, church is nice, and I absolutely like going on Easter, but I don't really need them to give me guidance 
because they ain't that good at it. Yeah, I mean, you think about how, and this is not just Catholics, but all religions, you know, whether Jews, Muslims, fundamentalist Christians, whatever, really, in a sense, have forfeited that uh, moral authority when they have um, either supported people, and we use Trump as an example, because what was it the evangelical said? Well, sometimes God sends an imperfect messenger. But we as human beings, unless you're some kind of sociopath, we know what is right or wrong. So maybe however you describe that is like that's, you know, you get what's right and wrong from a church. But I, my own personal view is that most human beings know what is right and wrong. Maybe we're taught that, but I do think there's something fundamental. So in other words, we know that it is wrong to bully people. We know that sexual assault is wrong. I, I can't imagine anyone defending that uh, practice. You, you mean anybody things. except Woody Allen? Well, that. <laughs> yeah. So some people don't get the good right and wrong thing. So yeah. when when whatever religious authority is playing fast and loose with what's right or wrong or justifying wrong behavior, then. It, it creates in some people a cognitive dissonance, like, oh, I thought these guys knew. But I think for many people in the modern age, it's like, these guys got nothing to, to tell me. They, they have nothing to offer me in terms of my own living a moral life. And one of the things I think that happens to many people who were raised religious as we were, and part of a, a long and, you know, really beautiful tradition in many ways is you resent the humans, meaning in our case, the bishops, but in whatever religion it is, who in a sense have stolen that from you, who have pulled back the curtain, like over the Wizard of Oz. Say, yes, you're just humans, but you are more than flawed humans. And you have taken away from us these institutions that we believe and love because we can't be a part of it. I can't give you money anymore. I can't support you. I can't pretend that what you're doing is okay. I personally cannot pretend that it's okay to not offer full humanity to LGBTQ people. That's just wrong, right? Those folks are created the same way we're created. And if there is a God, then God's like, Go live your life. Be a good person. And, that. you know, I'll, I'll put a little bit in there. Um, sorry to keep philosophizing today, but, you know, the phrase the church uses, the I use the church, that's wrong, that the bishops use is, well, we'd like to support it. We think everyone, including LGBT, should have rights, but their sexual activity is, here's a quote, intrinsically disordered. Now, this is a really terrible, hateful phrase to call another human being. You are di disordered. Uh, you know, they will mumble afterwards. Well, it doesn't mean exactly that. They're drawing on an idea called natural law. It goes back to Aquinas and so forth. That, And the idea is that God created the world in a particular way and the nature of his creation of God's creation is God's revelation 
of what is right and wrong. So the physical tells us the deeper message. And put in simple turn, the man got a penis, the woman got what you call your vagina. And so God believes that the ordered state is the penis should go to the vagina. If you have two people where there are two penises, or in Latin, two peni, uh, then those, <laughs> the, those two do not go together. I, I mean, I'm being flippant, but that's essentially a natural law argument. Jesus did not talk in terms of natural law. God did not talk in terms of natural law. This was a philosophical understanding. It gives us some insights into things, I think. But I can tell you, for people in our time, in the year 2021, you can go out all you want and say it's intrinsically disordered. But today, we have friends, we have relatives, we know people, and we say what you just said. You cannot take away someone's humanity based on your medieval philosophy. So what's interesting then for us as a country is how we how we move forward as a non-religious country because that has been such a big part of who the United States is, not just since Reagan and the moral majority, but the in God we trust and all of that. So for a country who in the Constitution we separate church and state, we have continued to argue about the role in religion in our civic life. So I think that that, and we will continue to do that um, because it's just kind of built into the, the dialogue. And one of the things, and we don't have a lot of time to talk about that today, where the religious right and religious people will probably win in the next year or two years is on the abortion issue. And it will be really fascinating to see what, what the result of that is, you know, because you are going to have, John, a public argument in 50 states about what abortion rights are, when is an abortion appropriate, and what are the medical reasons as opposed to religious reasons as opposed to constitutional reasons. So sometimes you can win something, which this has been their project for, you know, since Roe v. Wade, 50 years, and, and you don't win anything. And I just suspect they may get that abortion is illegal, is not protected by the U.S. Constitution, but in the meantime, they have lost a generation of people who are like, your religion? Don't work for me. Thanks, but no thanks. Absolutely. And that's going to have to be part of the discussion. A discussion, frankly, we should have. And a discussion that lawyers have something to contribute to. For instance, at what point is the fetus a person? And why is it that person means something in particular? It means something in ethical philosophy, but it means something in the law, right? Because a person is uh, an entity, a being that has rights. That's Correct. a big question. And, and uh, the, argu the argument that uh, <coughs> is now starting to kind of circulate um, in legal circles 
um, maybe not just now, but has been is, and is the fetus a person who has the 14th Amendment right? So, so I mean, we're out of time. So we are going to talk about this. It's such an interesting issue because these cases are working their way to the Supreme Court and a decision will be made in the next couple of years, for sure. And when that decision is made, sibling talk will be there. Exactly. We'll be well, there to actually, cover it. Yeah, actually not there. We'll be sitting in our living rooms. But we will, <laughs> we will cover it nevertheless. All right, have a good one. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.